Today I'm here with Jamie Reynolds, the lead guitarist and vocalist of band 1967, a four-piece hard rock band started in Phoenix in 2011. Uh, Jamie, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm really glad to be here, John. Thank you so much. <laughs> glad we could talk with you today. Um, so how did you all first get started as a band? I understand that, Jamie, this is your brainchild. Um, this You came up with this band. Yes, that is correct. How it got started, I was writing some songs with a friend of mine, Gordy Burks, over the phone back in 2009. Him and I have played music since we were little kids. I think I might have been in my early 30s, late 20s at that time. And yeah, I was just like, I had the bug to start writing music, wrote about four songs, maybe more riffs than that, maybe five or six or seven songs. Four songs out of those writing sessions became the first 1967 songs at that time. And then I went in and recorded the song Dead End Life as a demo. I did all the instrumentation myself. I used that demo to find players in Phoenix, Arizona at that time where I was living. And I found Dustin Failner over at uh, Guitar Center where I was living. And he's like, yeah, come on out to my house and let's go jam and show me what you got. That's a pretty good demo you got there. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it started. He and I started jamming. I think we got about 10 or 12 songs together over a period of a few months. Found a few more players, found Robert Jorgensen, who I was playing in the Nirvana tribute band at that time. And he was a second guitarist, wrote a few songs with us as well. And Jordan Courtney on bass. And that's, that's how the band started. And we just started jamming and started playing some shows, played at barbecues, just kind of started over again. I'd, I'd been in bands prior. I'd been in a band for about 10 years before that, out of high school and had a few years off and it was, had to start from scratch. It was, uh, it was quite the challenge actually, because <laughs> things had changed a lot since I played live. So it was interesting, but yeah, our bands definitely had many different kinds of members. It's uh, kind of whoever wants to play with us. Well, you know, they learn the songs and then we just start rocking and rolling. And I do a lot of the studio work too with, just like a couple of guys, you know, the last 10 years or so. So kind of rambling now. <laughs> hey, hey but, no uh, worries. We like it when people ramble. Um, yeah. Yeah. We had to come up with a name at the time. And I think Dustin and I's brothers had passed away in that year, 1967. And so we sort of identify with that. It was a kind of a kismet thing. It's a cool year for cars and music too you know, the summer love and all that. Some really good albums were cut that year. I think the Beatles, Sgt. Peppers was that year. So yeah, there's some cool stuff going on that year. I think it was a great year to, to name a band after. I'm very sorry to hear about both your and Dustin's loss, however. Oh, thank you. Appreciate um, it. So your band, I understand that you have a mix of Southwest and Pacific Northwest uh, based musicians. Um, so what does that do to your sound? Uh, cause I listened to that new single, uh, losing my mind. Um, I could definitely hear kind of like some of that Southwest, uh, influence in there, but what do you think as kind of the, um, the front men of this band, what do you think, uh, that mix of musicians has done to your sound over the years? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it really enhances the sound cause you get a lot of different perspectives of the, the players that play alongside you in a live setting. You know, after they all learn the music, you get up on stage and you definitely get a pretty good sound. It's pretty solid and pretty similar to the recordings. And yeah, you might be right about things sort of changing and diversifying as well. Um, like, for example, the Southwest lineup with Nathan Marchi on drums, Scotty Sines on guitar, 
Jordan Courtney on bass and myself on lead vocals and, and guitars is that's sort of the core sound that we had in Arizona. Um, and then we would throw Matt Haskell in on drums and he was pretty close to what Nathan Marchie sounded like as a drummer, but he had his own different flavor. So it's like, there's minute differences. And then in Washington state, there might've been some pretty big differences because, you know, maybe the, the drum, like the drummer, Rob Chapanis, he was 10 years older than 10 years older than all of us, you know, and uh, he gets a different sound, different drum approach to some of the songs. He might sound pretty accurate on a few songs like Flightlining Softly and then some other heavier numbers that are sort of metal, like Losing My Mind. He, he might be like, yeah, I don't really want to play that one. <laughs> Let's play something else. Uh, but then you got Colin Black on drums and he, he pretty much does everything justice that he hears on recordings. He just does it like note for note. Matt Haskell does the same thing on drums. Nathan Marchie is the same way on drums. Um, and then I got Sean Kenny here in Portland, Oregon, where we're currently based. He, he does justice. I mean, he maps things out and like literally writes the music of the program and says, Hey, yeah, there's a hi-hat here and there's four beats here. And then we switch to a measure here. And, um, and then all the bassists are pretty close. They do a pretty good job, but they also put their own spin on everything. It's kind of fun. It's interesting to hear everybody's perspective on it. Um, that's pretty cool. I think it's pretty interesting. It's a lot of fun. doesn't diminish it too bad though. It's, it's pretty good. Try to get top-notch players that know what they're doing. Um, I'm curious uh, with your personal sound as the lead guitarist. Um, just personally wondering, what kind of uh, what kind of guitars do you use when you're uh, recording and when you're playing as part of 1967? Nice. Yeah, that's a great question. I play an ESP um, Les Paul style guitar. It's an Army Green six-string guitar. And we drop down a half step on everything to the E flat tuning standard. And then if we're in drop D, it's drop D flat. So everything's a half step down string wise on a six string is how we approach everything. It's a little easier on my vocal range, um, being a bass baritone. Um, and then I use the same guitars in the studio and I'll use acoustics and other electrics as well. Like on this, I'm losing my mind. And that recording session with John Kurzweig, who produced it, we used a lot of the stuff that was in his studio. So he, we were using like hollow, hollow body guitars that were electric guitars on some songs. We were using Gibson Les Pauls and Epiphone Les Pauls. Uh, we were using some Fender guitars at, at some point. Uh, and he had a few others. And some of his acoustics as well were pretty solid. Um, yeah, and then I, use, I would use my Marshall JMP1 preamp for the guitar sounds as far as distortion and, and clean. And then we would also use his Marshall head that he had in the studio at the time. And a couple different, uh, like he was using pedals and like delayed pedals and certain things to, to make it sound interesting. He had his own way of kind of doing things. And then we, we were using like a, a bass guitar cabinet to record everything, guitars and bass. It was interesting. So... Yeah, he has, he has his own way of doing things. Uh, and then in the past, it was like, hey, I think I had PV amplifiers and cabinets earlier back in, you know, in the early days of the band in the studio. And I was using an Epiphone, or I'm sorry, I was using a Gibson Les Paul Studio with EMG pickups in it. Um, and then uh, same thing, JMP1 preamp, Marshall for all the sounds. Um, yeah, I think... 
yeah, I mean, everything from miking the instrumentation as far as the cabinets, the speaker cabinets to direct input, you know, emulated line output, that kind of thing. So just, and then sometimes we'd use, like on Let's Have Some Fun, he was patching us in directly and he had like distortion effects that he liked the best that he used. And that, you know, that sounds good. Let's just do it that way. So then technically we weren't really using any of our live gear for the, that kind of recording. And you mentioned working with uh, John Kurzweig and he's been the producer for Creed, Puddle of Mud, uh, Godsmack. So what was it like getting to work with him? Um, what was yeah, it that, like having yeah. him produce for you? Yeah, it was a it was an absolute blast. I mean, I really enjoyed the experience. We were very lucky and it was definitely a gift to be able to work with him. The chemistry was there as far as like the influences and the bands we worked with. There's a similar sound there and a similar feel, you know, like the kind of music that we're writing. And then also on a personal level, uh, we hit it off pretty well too. I mean, we sat there and, you know, I, I'd bring dinner and go hang out and like drink a cup of tea with him. And then we'd, you know, hit the studio, work for a few hours. <laughs> uh, the interesting thing about this specific recording sessions was uh, we did the drums with Matt Haskell, the drummer in Phoenix, Arizona. So I went down there and produced drums with Matt on a few songs, and he also did them remotely on his own when I was living in Washington State at the time. It's back about 2016, 2017 or so is when we started recording these songs. And then, so Matt pretty much nailed everything. I think I had to come in on one of the songs and kind of like show him what's going on on it. Physically, like show him how to play it. And then he kind of ran with it after that, but he recorded everything. He set up all the mics, he did all the engineering on all the drum tracks because he has his own studio there in Phoenix. And then what I did was I brought everything, I brought all the drum tracks into John. And then we did everything else with John. So I did vocals, all the backup vocals, guitars, bass, guitar. I think we did a little bit of banjo work on Friday night. Um, and then, yeah, John mixed all the drums, beefed them up a little bit. And then uh, that's, that's kind of how we did it. That was that this John Studios in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And that's where I was living at the time. And so that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it a lot. He's a true pro. He has a lot of tricks, a lot of wisdom. Learned a and, lot. Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm done. Oh, I was going to say, uh, with um, working with him and then also just in general, what is your creative process like when it comes to music? My creative process? When it comes to music, well, I'll start writing guitar riffs first and foremost before anything else. So that's the start of a song for me. And I'll have a bunch of stuff together. Like, man, I might have one riff that I really jam for a week or two. And then all of a sudden I'll stop and then I'll pick it up again. And then, and then another riff will come. Oh, yeah, that'll work with that. Or maybe I'll just be singing or humming it in my head and I'll come up with something that way. And then I'll get into the guitar and start expanding on it more. Um, and then uh, usually I, lyrics will just come randomly. I, don't, I can't really explain how or why. Or maybe I'll have to get them done because I haven't got them done yet. So there's more of a motivation. You know, like, I need to get this done. I want to go into the studio. But when I start setting deadlines, then that's when things start getting done a little bit more. And then I'll go demo it on my computer with Cool Edit Pro multi-tracking and kind of lay it out like two separate guitar parts, any kind of bass lines, do it to a click track, record the vocals. So I sort of rehearse it with myself 
and then uh, and then that's usually when I bring it into the studio and start expanding it or I'll send it over to Matt and he'll he'll start doing some drum tracks to it and keeping the song going. No, that's that's generally it. And I'm inspired by just basic things of life and probably what I'm going through in the moment. <laughs> so so with yeah. So with that single um, "Losing My Mind" that you just released, um, so I'm wondering uh, what all inspired you to write this song. What was the inspiration behind this song? Absolutely. Well, I think at the time I was probably spiritually sick and how I was behaving and reacting to life at the time was trying to do the same thing over and over again, expecting some kind of different result. And we all probably know that that usually doesn't work very well. So I just, it was kind of like, Hey, I got to stop beating my head against the wall and try to try a different way with whatever I'm doing in life. And otherwise I'm going to get the same result. And that's, that's the definition of insanity. And I, I truly believe in that and I feel it, feel that a lot. So that's kind of what it was about. So like, hey, if I'm behaving badly and trying to change something that I can't change, then I start getting insane in the moment and uh, I got to turn it off and give it to something else, give it to a higher power or some other entity to, to handle the, the stress or, or the problem I'm having and look at myself like, hey, maybe I'm having a problem. Maybe it's not their problem. It's probably me. I am the problem. I am responsible. <laughs> and that line, um, uh, doing the same thing over and over and expecting the same result, that's repeated a lot in the song um, with a little like, distortion in the likes on it. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is. Yeah. Isn't that funny? It just keeps repeating itself. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. And you got like the different distortion on it. So it's all kind of like warped and stuff. Um, I'm wondering, uh, wh uh, why did you choose to put that in the song? Um, uh, what kind of, what was your like thought process when you were like thinking like, Oh, you know, this would be interesting to add in there, you know? Oh, that weird distortion kind of like tuning down the voice effects. Is that kind of what you're talking about? More kind of just that snippet um th that those lyrics you know like that having that snippet several points throughout the song um uh what was your kind of like creative idea putting that in there creative idea it was like well this is what feels right and i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it in here and i'm gonna force it in here no matter what happens and i didn't really want it to be on some kind of groovy rhythm i just wanted it to be totally messed up and like i didn't want it to make any sense at all like it's almost like singing out of tune on purpose just like Maybe this isn't going to make sense. Maybe it's off rhythm. I don't really care either way. Whatever. So that's, that was really my approach. That's what I felt like would go there too. You know, that's about it. So. So you've just released this single and you have that five track EP that's coming out soon produced by John Kurzweig. Um, and I'm wondering, uh, aside from that EP, and, you know, like beyond that AP, what uh, plans does 1967 have for the near future? Yeah, I appreciate that. We have a show coming up this month, actually, in Portland, Oregon, at the Hawthorne Hideaway with a band called Polar Bear Capitalist. And there's going to be one more band added, but it's just us and them at the moment. That's the immediate future. Probably 
keep watching venues, seeing how they're doing, how much they're opening, get some tours going in the Pacific Northwest, maybe down to the Southwest. And then also just continuing writing music. We've got a few songs in the bank right now. So there may be some new music coming out 2022 or so. Um, and then there's been a lot of PR and interviews done for these singles and this EP with, that we did with John. So we're going to continue to push that, work with entities like yourself and other PR outlets, anywhere we can get any kind of press is basically our short-term and long-term goal right now. So just making a story, trying to break out of obscurity, trying to get some massive action going and 10 X and everything that we do and doing 10 times as much as we can to, to be known. And then one last question for you. Um, if you had to pick your one biggest influence, if you, um, if you had to point to one artist as being your biggest influence musically, uh, who do you think that would be? Probably Metallica. Yeah. Metallica. Uh, uh, how, how, um, do you feel like you can hear some of them in your music, uh, to, as the creator of this music? Yeah, I can hear a little bit of it here and there. Absolutely. Yeah. Indeed. So, uh, yeah. So uh, with that, that is the end of my questions. But I'm wondering, is there anything else you would like to tell us? Anything else you'd like to say to our listeners? Or anything else you'd like to end on as a last note? Absolutely. Yeah, be safe out there in the pandemic. Uh, get vaccinated if you can. Live one day at a time. Um, hope you enjoy our music. You can check us out online. www.1967band.com And that is our our handle for Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram is 1967band, and our hashtag is 1967band. And you can get our music and check it all out on iTunes and Apple Music, distrokid.com, and Spotify, etc. It is everywhere. Hey, Jamie, thank you for coming to talk with us today. Yeah, John, it was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for the opportunity. Good to meet you. Good to meet you as well.